Good morning, people of God. This is Apostle Shirley Evans again. Today, Saturday, October 17th, 2020. We thank God for today. The time is 9.26 a.m. It's Saturday, the 17th of October, 2020. The time is 9.26 a.m. We just bless God for another day. I pray that when this teaching and worship reach you, it will meet you in peace and healthy and with joy. And as we hear the words and the songs, may our air be attentive to what the Holy Spirit is speaking to us and that we would stay in a frame of worship, praise, environment. And so, Lord, I'm your oracle. You've called me for such a time as this. God, I ask that I decrease and you increase in me and you speak to the people. Thank you for my voice that you've given me. Thank you that I'm in my sound mind. You've given me this sound mind. Thank you that I can still hear you. And I am grateful. You're so wonderful to us. Help us to live where every day we are always thankful to you and giving you praise in the name of Jesus. Because, because praise belongeth to you. The psalmist says in Psalm 120, make a joyful noise unto the Lord all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. He is, it is he that had made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. So let us make a joyful noise unto the Lord all ye people. So people of God, all ye lands, the birds make noises, the different creatures make noises, and we are going to sing unto the Lord. Every time we sing, it's like a new song, singing unto the Lord. I bless you today. Wonderful, merciful Savior, Precious Redeemer and friend, who would have thought that a lamb could rescue the souls of men? Oh, you rescue the souls of men. Counselor, comforter, keeper, spirit we long to embrace. You offer hope when our hearts have hopelessly lost the way. Oh, we hopelessly lost the way. You are the one that we praise. You are the one we adore. You give the healing and grace. Oh, Hearts always hunger for, oh, our hearts always hunger for. Almighty, infinite Father, faithfully loving your own. Here in our weakness you find us falling before your throne. Oh, we're falling before your throne. You are the one that we praise. 
You are the one we adore. You give the healing and grace our hearts always hunger for. Oh, our hearts always hunger for. You are the one with be praise. You are the one we adore. You give the healing and grace. Our hearts always hunger for. Oh, our hearts always hunger for. Let us continue to adore him. Let us continue to magnify his name. Let us continue to lift him up. Father, I adore you. Lay my life before you. How I love you. Spirit, I adore you. Lay my life before you how I <coughs> love you Jesus I adore you lay my life before you how I love you in moments like these i sing out a song i sing out a love song to jesus in moments like these i lift up my voice i lift up my voice to the lord singing i love you lord singing i love you lord singing i love you lord i love you i love you I love you, I love you, Lord, today, because you cared for me in such a special way. That's why I praise you. I lift you up and I magnify your name. That's why my heart is filled with praise. My heart, my mind, my soul belongs to you. You paid the price for me way back on Calvary. That's why I praise you. I lift you up and I magnify your name. That's why my heart is filled with praise. Praise Him, praise Him, praise Him, praise Him. Jesus, blessed Savior, is worthy to be praised. Glory, glory in all things, give Him glory. Jesus, blessed Savior, he's worthy to be praised. God is our rock, rock of salvation, a strong deliverer, in him will I obey, praise him. Praise Him, praise Him, praise Him. Jesus, blessed Savior, 
is worthy to be praised. He is Jesus, name above all names, beautiful Savior, glorious Lord, Emmanuel, God is with us. Blessed Redeemer, living word. Jesus, name above all names, beautiful Savior, glorious Lord, Emmanuel, God is with us. Blessed Redeemer, Living word, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Praise Him, praise Him, praise Him, praise Him, praise Him, praise Him, praise Praise Him, praise Him, praise Him. It's time to praise Him. It's really time to praise Him. It's time to worship Him. And it's time to pray also. I mean, I, I was up until after three o'clock this morning in praises and worship and praying. Can't you see what's going on in the world and in the nation? Ah, little nation. Years ago, we, we know about field hospitals setting up in other parts of the world. But here it is again, the second time. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. A few years ago, when God told me to tell the people, death is walking down the corridor of time. And every house has corridors. And we don't know when he's going to walk through your corridor and when he's going to stop at one of those doors because in each house there are different doors. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In us there's different doors too. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. But as we can see here, when I was saying those words, death had been but now it's even it is speeded up itself walking down the corridor and snatching people so we've got to be ready 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 oh blessed be the name of the lord sometimes you don't want to talk about you got to say i've got to say what god says there was a saying ready or not here i come so ready i not jesus is coming Ready or not, death has come up in our houses. Death has come up in our lands. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Let us get closer to him. Close to thee. Close to thee. Let us get close to him. Let us be ready. We never know the day or the hour or the minute. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Let's pray one for another blessed be the name of the lord oh bless the lord oh my soul help me jesus when they figured that it was oh it was just a hoax it was a fake it was not it is real it is a real plague it's a spirit it's a plague it's a spirit of of of, of a disease it's a it's a killer but it don't have to kill you you know no 
Listen to what the health people say. Stay home as much as you can. If you have to go out, cover your nose, cover your mouth. Stay your distance and get back home. There's much you could do home because you'll be praising him. You'll be reading your Bible. You'll be honoring and glorifying him. And so, trouble in paradise. So we've got trouble in this world. So, you know, we were talking about the environment of glory, the glory of living. He wants to get the glory out of us. He wants his glory to be seen. So here this morning, we're going to talk about trouble in paradise. But before there was no trouble in paradise, there was peace in the presence of God. And so in Genesis, in the book of Genesis, that's where the trouble came in Eden. Genesis chapter 3, verse 7. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. That's the crafty serpent. The enemy is always speaking lies into our minds, into our hearts. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, well, she, she only saw that because of the lies of what uh, the enemy said. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. Disobedience, rebellion. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Well, he's the husband. They were both together when God spoke and told them what not to do but he's supposed to be supposed to be her covering but yet he's going to disobey too he should have opened his mouth and said no we cannot do that he should have used his authority she also gave some to her husband who was with her he wasn't in the kitchen or in the back of the yard or somewhere hiding. He was right there and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. He was right there. He was right there rebelling along with her. See, Satan disguised himself as a crafty serpent. But you see, if he was a fallen angel, he didn't fall like a serpent. I believe he walked in there on his two feet and transformed himself. How I know? Some years ago, I had a dream. I was standing by the big um, sapodilla tree in the back of the yard and this man was standing there. So in the dream, when I look on the sapodilla tree, all of a sudden I saw this beautiful, nice banana ripe hanging. And I looked at it and I looked at it and all of a sudden the banana dropped off the tree and when it hit the ground, it turned into a man. And in my dream, the Holy Spirit said, now see, bananas don't grow on sapodilla tree. He said to me, he said, see, it dropped and see it transformed into a man. He said, this man standing here, who come to you dumb? 
and you prayed for him, God opened up his speech again. He said, now, let me say to you, do not do anything else for him because he said, devil came to you. So then he took me back to the scripture. Okay. Satan transforms himself like an angel of light. So a lot of times the enemy come to you think he come with a pitchfork. No, 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 no. He could come beautiful and handsome and all of that or pretty. However, that's why get closer, get in the word, have that intimacy with the Holy Spirit. He will give you that discerning spirit and know good from evil. So disguised as a crafty serpent, Satan came to tempt Eve. Satan at one time was an angel who rebelled against God and was thrown out of heaven. Told you that? He was a created being. Satan has definite limitations. Although he is trying to tempt everyone away from God, he will not be the final victor. Because in Genesis chapter 3 14, God promises that Satan will be crushed by one of the woman's offspring, the Messiah. Why does Satan tempt us? Because temptation is Satan's invitation to give in to his kind of life and give up on God's kind of life. Remember, he, he, tempted, he tempted Jesus. Satan tempted Eve and succeeded in getting her to sin. Ever since then, he's been busy getting people to sin. He even tempted Jesus, as I said to you, but Jesus did not sin. How could Eve have resisted temptation? By following the same guidelines we can follow. First, we must realize that being tempted is not a sin. We have not sinned until we give in to the temptation. Then, to resist temptation, we must pray for strength to resist it. We must run, sometimes literally run like Joseph, and say no when confronted with what we know is wrong. James chapter 1 verse 12 tells us of the blessings and rewards for those who don't give in when tempted. The serpent, Satan, tempted Eve by getting her to doubt God's goodness. A lot of time God tells us something and we doubt him. We're doubting. We have this analytical mind and we're doubting. She, she doubted God's goodness. He implied that God was strict, stingy, and selfish for not wanting Eve to share his knowledge of good and evil. Satan made Eve forget all that God had given her. Sometimes we forget what God has done. Oh, blessed. Help us, Lord, not to forget. And instead, she focused on the one thing she couldn't have. Things we don't have rather than on the countless things God has given us. The next time you're feeling sorry for yourself and what you don't have, consider all you do have and thank God. Then your doubts won't lead you into sin. See, Adam and Eve got what they wanted. An intimate knowledge of both good and evil. But they got it by doing evil. And the results were disastrous. Sometimes we have the illusion that freedom is doing anything we want. But God says that true freedom comes from obedience and knowing what not to do. The restrictions he gives us are for our good. Helping us to avoid evil. We have the freedom to walk in front of a speeding car, but we don't need to be hit to realize it would be foolish. If you walk into a speeding car, you're foolish if you can see, if you can understand, unless, unless something's wrong with your brain. 
So we have the freedom to walk in front of a speeding car, but we don't need to be hit to realize it would be foolish to do so. Don't listen to Satan's temptations. Yield not to temptation for yielding is sin. You don't have to do evil to gain more experience and learn more about life. Satan used a sincere motive to tempt Eve. Like, oh, you would be like God. It wasn't wrong of wrong of Eve to want to be like God. To become like God is humanity's highest goal. It is what we are supposed to do. But Satan misled Eve concerning the right way to accomplish this goal. He told her that she could become more like God by defying God's authority, by taking God's place and deciding for herself what was best for her life. Sometimes we do that. In effect, he told her to become her own God. A lot of people think that's their own God, their God of their own money, their house, their land and all, that's their own God. But to become like God is not the same as trying to become God. Rather, it is to reflect his characteristics and to recognize his authority over your life. Like Eve, we often have a worthy goal, but try to achieve it in the wrong way. We act like a political candidate who says, I'm going to pay off somebody for this election. We act like a political candidate who pays off an election judge to be voted into office. When he does this, Serving the people is no longer his highest goal. Self-exaltation leads to rebellion against God. That's what happened to Satan. That's why he was kicked out, thrown out. As soon as we begin to leave God out of our plans, we are placing ourselves above him. This is exactly what Satan wants us to do. Satan tried to make Eve think that Sin is good, pleasant, and desirable. A knowledge of both good and evil seem harmless to her. People usually choose wrong things because they have become convinced that those things are good, at least for themselves. But our sins do not always appear ugly to us. And the pleasant sins are the hardest to avoid. So prepare yourself for the attractive temptations that may come your way. Satan will bring it. We cannot always prevent temptation, but there is always a way of escape. We don't have to yield. He will make a way of escape. Use God's word and God's people to help you stand against it. Notice what Eve did. She looked. She not only looked, because you could look at something and don't partake. She looked, she took, she ate, and she gave. The battle is often lost at the first look. Temptation often begins by simply seeing something you want. And you lust after that, and you lust after that, and you sing and you want and and next thing you know, you're yielding. Are you struggling with temptation because you have not learned that looking is the first step towards sin? People get on the internet, and I understand on Facebook or whatever. Next thing you know, they on the pornography. The first look. And now they have a struggle. Are you struggling with temptation because you have not learned that looking is the first step towards sin? You would win over temptation more often if you followed Paul's advice to run from those things that produce evil thoughts. Paul said to run. One of the realities of sin is that its effects spread like leaven. After Eve sinned, she involved Adam in a wrongdoing. When we do something wrong, often we try to relieve our guilt by involving someone else. 
you know when children go to school you did it but then you tell the teacher she did it and that next one say no you did it and everybody's involved like toxic waste spilled in a river pour the toxic waste there is going to spread all through the river sin swiftly spreads recognize confess your sin you must recognize it and confess your sin to god before you are tempted to pollute those around you see after adam and eve after after their guilt because after sinning now they're guilty they felt guilty and embarrassed over their nakedness because then now they become naked I told you how my cousin used to walk the street naked at his age and it didn't matter to him. Their guilty feelings made them try to hide from God. A guilty conscience is a warning signal God placed inside you, thank God, that goes off when you're doing wrong. That's a warning, that's a stoplight, that, that, that's a red light. The worst step you could take is to eliminate the guilty feelings without eliminating the cause. That would be like using a painkiller but not treating the disease. Someone had the fever the other day and they were taking um, Panadol. But the fever came back. I said, no, you see, you have to get to the root of the problem. You have to get to the root. The infection came from something. You have to get to the root. The fever came from something, which was the infection, and you have to get to the root cause. So, be glad those feelings are there. They make you aware of your sin. So you can ask God's forgiveness and then correct your wrongdoing. And so, try as much as you can. Ask the Lord to help you. Help you. Because the enemy is very, very cunning. One significant characteristic of the Eden environment was freedom. Adam and Eve were created as self-determining and responsible moral beings. They were free to choose whether they would walk in the liberty of the bright path of submission and obedience to God or tread the dead end trail of disobedience and rebellion. Well, right now, the town is supposed to be locked down. So, the law is for the lawless. <laughs> and for, for some other things. Well, guess what? If you know it's lockdown and they say to you at a certain time you are to be in and you say, well, you, you decide, well, I'm free, I could go anyway. Then you would be locked up, locked up. They were free to choose whether they would walk in the liberty of the bright path of submission and obedience to God or tread the dead end trail of disobedience and rebellion. This freedom to choose, along with their conscious, ongoing love relationship with God, was at the very core of their being and is what made them humans instead of robots. I spoke with someone yesterday and, uh, and she said, hold on a minute, let me speak to Alexa. I said, you have someone in your house named Alexa? And then I'm going to find out, I guess I'm from the old school. Uh, I haven't caught up yet. And she said, so no, um, I have to tell her to turn the music down. Well, I'm thinking there's someone in the house, name is Alexa. And then she's going to educate me and tell me, no, no, no. You speak to her on, 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 on the machine. I was like, that's like a robot. What is this world getting like? And then she turns the, 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 the music down. I was like, what? Listen, I'm learning some things. We are not robots. We're humans instead of robots. 
and distinguish them from the lower orders of creatures. True freedom always come with limits and obedience is meaningful only where standards of behavior exist. This is why God identified one particular tree in the garden, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and set it off limits. It is quite possible that an alternative to submission and obedience to God never even entered the minds of Adam and Eve until the day Eve had a conversation with the adversary. Disguised as a serpent, Satan, chief of the fallen angels, he's a liar and the father of lies, who held the power of death, deceived and tempted Eve. Together, she and her husband traded their birthright as co-regents with their creator for false promises of enlightenment and a quest for illegitimate glory. A lot of people do some um, punji scheme when it comes to money and they promise you that, promise you that, and you you excited. And next thing you know, everything you put in it, you have nothing. They surrender their legal status to an evil predator to the throne. Genesis chapter three and seven says that after Adam and Eve ate of the forbidden fruit, their eyes were opened and they realized they were naked. This statement deals with more than just the status of their wardrobe. They, they, I mean, the wardrobe was them, nakedness, right? I mean, they didn't know that they were naked, but they were covered in the glory. Until then, Adam and Eve had enjoyed the unbroken covering of the presence of God. Now, because of sin, that covering was gone and they stood apart from God, naked and exposed, covering under the blinding glare of his holiness. In the blink of an eye, everything had changed. It's amazing when you're walking, you could be walking in holiness and righteousness and walking in glory and all of a sudden you get tempted and next thing you know, you, you, you draw back and next thing you know, you're not covered. You're not covered with it anymore. Suddenly, in the blink of an eye, everything had changed. Gone were the warm fellowship and the joy of walks with the Lord in the garden in the cool of the day. Gone were the simple innocence and childlike trust that had categorized their relationships with each other and with God. Gone was their sense of purpose as well as their status. So guess what? Their status changed to refugees. <laughs> they were driven out. God evicted them from the garden for their own good as well as to protect his presence. Satan and his angels had been cast out of heaven when they threatened to contaminate it with their rebellion. Adam and Eve were cast out of Eden for the same reason. In judgment, however, there was mercy. If Adam and Eve had stayed in the garden, they might have eaten of the tree of life and been condemned to remain forever in their fallen condition. But the mercy of God. Everything God does to one man is redemptive in nature. Evicting Adam and Eve from the Garden of Eden was no different. God drove them out in order to protect them and their descendants until he could bring to pass his plan to restore them to their original state. You better count the cause when you rebel. You better count the cause when you disobey. Outside of the environment of God's covering presence, Man cannot function properly. We were created for Eden for that. And apart from it, we are out of our element or environment. What was the cause of rebellion to Adam and Eve and through them? To the whole human race? 
what was the cause of rebellion to Adam and Eve? And through them rebelling, here it is, the whole human race is now rebelling. Well, we can answer that question by considering two things. First, what man did not lose in the fall? And second, what he did lose? There are at least six things that man did not lose in the fall. Although the fall did uh, alter their character and quality of life. First, man did not lose heaven because he was never there. He made him, God made him right there in that place. You cannot lose what you never had. So therefore, they didn't lose, lose heaven. They never had heaven. They never lived in heaven. Man, man was not created for heaven, but for earth at the time. And specifically for Eden. We were created for Eden. That's where God created them to be in Eden. Heaven is the realm of God and the domain of his holy presence. Earth was the realm of man and Eden was the place where the two realms touched. Psalm 115 verse 16 says, The highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to man. Today, we who are believers look forward to heaven as our eternal home. Philippians 3 and 20 says that we are citizens of heaven. And 1 Peter 1 and 4 says that we have a spiritual inheritance kept for us in heaven. But in the beginning, we were designed for earth. Satan and his angels lost heaven. But man did not because man at that time was never in heaven. We did not lose heaven because we never had heaven to start with. The Bible begins on earth and ends on a new earth. I don't know, just thinking, could it be that our heaven would be the new earth? where the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will wipe, will be with them and be their God and wipe away their tears. God is going to restore that which man lost. Man did not lose the earth. It is still our home. We're still living here. The environment in which we live, breed, work, play, and die. What we did lose, however, is our mastery of the earth. No matter how much we have tamed the elements and learned to survive and even thrive in a basically hostile and threatening environment, we are no longer truly masters of the earthly domain. We have fallen far from the lordly state we enjoyed our creation and in this dispensation of God's redemptive work, we are helpless to return to it fully. Man did not lose his spirit. We are still spirit beings. Unlike all other creatures, we possess a spiritual nature that, whether good or bad, sinful or righteous, lives, the spirit lives forever. This is part of the divine image of himself that God placed inside each of us. Man did not lose his body. We still have a body. Just as life in space requires a spacesuit, life on earth requires an earth suit. And that's why when, when the word became flesh, it had to take on an earth suit. So when Mary was carrying the word, which is Jesus, the baby in her, had to come out in an earth suit. Because man, that's the earth suit. God fashioned our physical bodies to be suited to the earth environment. He prepared for us. He prepared this environment for us. Sin has corrupted both our bodies and the earth. So neither function as well as they should. The natural harmony that once existed between them is gone. 
Life in the garden was joyous and purposeful. Outside the garden, away from God's presence, it is a difficult, often empty struggle. That which was immortal has become mortal or death. Remember, I keep telling you, don't let nobody take away your joy. Stay in the presence of God. Man did not lose his soul. By soul, I mean our full mental capacity. The soul consists of the mind, the will, and the emotions. Each of us still has a mind that thinks, emotions that feel, and a will that acts. We are conscious, independent beings with freedom of choice, just as God created us. Because of the fall, however, we have a sin nature that causes us to make wrong choices. Our will has become a victim of our fallen, corrupt nature. Our desire is overpowered by our will. We are slaves to our sinful nature and on our own, helpless to overcome it. Even when we desire to do the right thing, our sinful will causes us to do otherwise. Remember what Paul said? Paul described the dilemma perfectly when he said in Romans chapter 7, verse 15, 17, 18, 21. I do not understand what I do, Paul says. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For, I've de for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. So, I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. So, that sinful nature is not out of us. It's still there. But he's given us choice. And we have to pray and ask God to help us. Paul goes on to say that it is only in Christ that we can find freedom from this bondage. Man did not lose his potential. Even in our fallen state, the human race possesses enormous potential. Potential is untapped power, unused ability, unrealized dreams, unfulfilled promises. We can think of potential another way, as an undisplayed glory. God always sees in us more than we see in ourselves. And so, God sees the things in everyone. And sometimes we see what God is showing us, but we ignore it. We're lazy. I ministered to someone recently, and they, they're trying to figure out, what can I do? Look inside of you. What do you like to do? What are you drawn to do? Well, you see what you can do. Well, have faith to know that with Christ, all things are possible. But if you don't get up and do it, then who, who's to blame? You just can sit all, all your lifetime on Do Nothing Street. You need to get up off Do Nothing Street and go and turn the third corner on the left to do something straight, because you can do it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but we have to choose. God always sees in us more than we see in ourselves. Sin has blinded us to who we really are and what we can really be and do. We need the presence and power of God to help us bring out the potential the glory that lies dormant inside us. We have this treasure in an earthen vessel, I always say. The lost treasures of man. If 
in the fall man did not lose heaven the earth his spirit his body his soul or his potential what did he lose i was speaking to someone yesterday and i said to them the other night you called me and you held me holding on and the holy spirit said hang up the phone because at that time I, he was about to download me with a revelation so i didn't call them back until yesterday and in speaking to them and i explained to them they politely said to me yes because you see you was in that pure place and he didn't and and god didn't want anybody to contaminate it i almost say go to the head of class because some people you're talking to them they are doing the opposite what they shouldn't be doing and pretending as if they don't know what they're doing that is wrong but now you're talking to them they say yeah and so don't listen they have all their faculties but the enemy will try to to, to raggedy you to wear you down pleading the same thing and they don't want to change and then the holy spirit said yeah because what happened he has placed in man the choice you have to choose to change and so when you lead people to jesus lead them to the word surrender their life that they, they surrender their life to the lord and if they keep going back what are you going to do you take the horse to the water you cannot make it drink because the, the horse has a choice whether he wants the water or not so a lot of times the spirit and the people will wear you down give them the word encourage them in the word encourage them in the word but if they choose to continue in sin the bible says should i continue in sin god forbid because the wages of sin is death so they know it they see it but they choose to go down that path man lost his purity the song said purify my heart let it be as gold pure gold refine as fire my heart's one desire is to be holy set apart for you dear master ready to do your will man lost his purity the word purity is another word for holiness both words convey the idea of cleanliness of being without spot stain or blemish a related idea is that of transparency meaning no cloud or shadow of deception or falsehood what was the first thing adam and eve did after they disobeyed god they lied and tried to cover up their actions they also tried to pass the buck as we would say adam blamed eve for giving him the fruit and even implied that god was at fault for giving eve to him in the first place eve blamed the serpent for tricking her loss of purity means loss of honesty and openness it means a life characterized by lies and deception adam and eve tried to cover up their sin and humanity has been a race of cover-ups ever since in contrast purity and holiness have to do with integrity the word integrity which means complete or undivided is related to the word integrate which means to unite or to form into a unified whole in other words integrity has to do with oneness purity and holiness mean that what we say and what we do are the same thing there's a saying in now so i'm not going to say who said but it says I say what I mean and I mean what I say, but they say that, but that's not exactly truth. Is it truth? Purity and holiness mean 
that what we say and what we do are the same thing. There is no difference between our public life and our private life. That's integrity. Another word for purity, holiness, and integrity is glory. That's what Adam and Eve lost. They lost the glory. Impurity breeds hypocrisy. Impurity breeds hypocrisy. You know, some, some people say, you, you're, you're a hypocrite. I'm not speaking the truth, you're a hypocrite. You're impure. Impurity breeds hypocrisy. Before the fall, they enjoyed perfect oneness and trust in their relationships. Afterward, they were unable to be honest with God, with each other, or even with themselves. Man lost the Holy Spirit. When Adam and Eve sinned, the personal presence of the Lord in their lives, the Holy Spirit departed. When Adam and Eve sinned, the personal presence of the Lord in their lives, the Holy Spirit departed. When we are walking with the Holy Spirit, and in his word and in his presence and the praise and worship and all that, and walking in righteousness, and when we make a choice to go back in the world, the Holy Spirit is gone. But you said still operating, but the Holy Spirit is gone. And you're still performing. No Holy Spirit. And that's what has happened in a lot of these places. A lot of our people, we've turned away from God. David, David looked in the mirror and said, Lord, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. His absence handicapped them because the knowledge, wisdom, power, gifts, and fruit that he provided and which they had taken for granted were gone. You, you hear the word, the gifts and callings without repentance. So there's a lot of time you hear people prophesying. They ain't living right. But the word, they still prophesying. It became impossible for them to function properly or to understand fully who and what they were and what they were capable of. This reality is still with us today. Without the Holy Spirit, man can never experience his full glory. Can never. Man lost Eden. Eden was the covering presence of God. Man lost that covering. After God drove out Adam and Eve, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. You know, there are times when the roadblocks or whatever or what road works, they will put these flashing lights. Well, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. The word cherubim is plural. The way back into Eden was guarded by at least two angels and possibly an entire host of them. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. With this eviction, God accomplished two things. He protected his holy environment from sinful man's contaminating, contaminating presence. He protected his holy environment from sinful man's contaminating presence. And he protected sinful man from eating of the tree of life and thereby living forever in his fallen condition. That does love and mercy. He protected sinful man from eating of the tree of life and thereby living forever in his fallen condition. By protecting them from the tree of life, he protected them from eternal damnation. If man had eaten of the tree of life in his fallen state, in his contaminated state, it would have rendered him a permanent eternal sinner. 
God in his perfect wisdom and grace protected man from his own eternal damnation and gave hope for the redemption of future generations in Adam's loins. Because generations were in Adam's loins. Generations are in your loins. The immediate and long-term consequence of the fall was that man, spiritually impaired by sin, had to try to function in an environment he has not designed for. He was not designed for that environment. In the garden, life was purposeful. Even the work of tending the garden was not laborious because Adam and Eve were fulfilling their natural glory. You notice that when God called you to do something and equip you, I mean, you there's an excitement in you to do it. It's not laborious because he's anointed you. Outside, however, the environment was hostile and resistant. Life became a continuing cycle of blood, tears, toil, and sweat. Man lost the fullness of the glory of God. Without the covering presence of God and without his indwelling spirit, Adam and Eve could not even fully express their own glory much less the glory of God. Despite sin, man still had the image of God, although it was marred and distorted. The latent glory of God in them could not come out because it was buried under the sinfulness of their fleshly nature. Man lost dominion over the earth. Satan used trickery and deceit to induce Adam and Eve to disobey God. By their own choice, they forfeited their dominion over the created order. Those who were created to rule took their crown and seal of authority and handed them over to an unemployed Satan. The true glory of the sons of men has since been buried under the confusion, ignorance, and frustration of the fall. Man lost his sense of purpose. As the generations passed, man quickly forgot who he was, why he was here, where he came from, and where he was going. Life became a daily grind of fear, despair, and hopelessness. Having lost Eden, man was out of his element and malfunctioned. We have been malfunctioning ever since, struggling hard to answer those questions and to find a way back to where we once belonged. The presence of God conceals the purpose of man. Without God's presence, man has no purpose. And without purpose, life is an experiment. You're just experimenting. So, we just thank God for the Holy Spirit. We thank God for life. Let us be sensitive to a still small voice because he's still speaking. Help us Lord to walk in obedience and not disobedience because your word said, if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. And we do not want to be devoured by the sword. We love you. We praise you. We honor you. We give you thanks. And Father, I ask Lord that you place your grace and your mercy on us this day and may your love and peace guard our hearts and mind and father we ask you to put in us a spirit of praise praise him praise him praise him praise him praise
praise him. I never rang the bell. God bless you and keep you today. And may his face shine upon you. May he give you peace. And don't forget to pray. Don't forget to praise. Don't forget to worship. Don't forget to love. And don't let the enemy steal your joy. This is Apostle Shirley Evans loving you. God bless you today.